confused about which supplements you need for better sleep? Today I welcome Shay Leonard to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Shay Leonard grew up in Artesia and earned her Bachelor of Science. After completion, she obtained her Master's in Physician Assistant Studies at Texas Tech University. She practiced in allergy, immunology, medical aesthetics and integrative psychiatry. Her experience in psychiatry as well as her personal health journey led her to seek alternative functional healthcare methods for herself and for her patients. She was first introduced to functional medicine at a young age by her mentor and aunt Dr. Cynthia Kaur. She herself was struggling with a variety of health concerns at the age of 16. She's completed an extensive training program with her mentor, certified anti-aging and functional regenerative medicine expert in holistic hormonal balance. She's also completing a certification program in functional medicine. Today's episode is a really important one and is power packed with recommendations and protocols for the right supplements for sleep. If you're a health practitioner, make sure that you have a pen and a paper to jot down all this information that's just packed into this episode. What are some of the very common nutrient deficiencies that impact your sleep? What are the factors that should play a role in which one you choose? How might you get some sleep nutrients from food and where might you need it from supplements? As listeners, if you have anything to share, any questions, please do reach out to me at deepa at phytothrive.com. Here's a review from Apple Podcasts. Deepa, you have hit the nail on the head with the physiological contributors of sleep deprivation. You have done such a wonderful job bringing out such a unique podcast in the space where everybody tells you, what causes the problem and no solution is given. Your approach to providing us with the tools is the need of the hour. Thanks for doing this. It would mean the world to us if you could just take two minutes to leave a rating and review if you've been enjoying the show. It does help us to keep doing the work. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer podcast.
Shay, it's great to have you on the show today. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. And I know that this is a subject that I've been wanting to speak about in much more detail than I've addressed in other episodes. And we're talking about nutrients and supplements for sleep. So uh, I know this is an episode that a lot of people are looking forward to as well. So Let's first, because you've got a fascinating background and uh, you had a mentor who specialized in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. You yourself have a special interest in mental health and psychology. Um, And I know you also battled with a lot of chronic illness and like anyone who finds their way on this path, you've had your special story of figuring that out like a puzzle and then one fine day it suddenly fell into place and which is what led you into uh, this passionate work which you're doing mm-hmm. today. So uh, what, tell, uh, tell our listeners about this little bit of background before we jump into our conversation. Perfect. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on here today and talking about sleep and, and different supplements and nutrients because it's it's so important and I'm so passionate about it. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I definitely struggled through my own health journey uh, with digestion issues and neurological issues related to uh, my menstrual cycle and um, went through conventional medicine and and um, lots of um, neurologists and anti-epileptic medications and all of these things. And and it really came down to figuring out that it was a leaky gut issue that turned into leaky brain from toxins and and the lack of nutrients and a B6 deficiency and and several different hormonal issues, et cetera. So big story um, through the whole part of uh, growing up and and trying to figure out. So I knew I wanted to do medicine and decided to go um, be a PA. And so I am a licensed uh, certified physician assistant and I have practiced in psychiatry as well as allergy and immunology for years. And I loved doing that. I learned about genetics and a lot of nutrients um, as well. One of my supervising provider through Psychiatry is amazing, amazing, amazing. And he really taught me a lot about supplements and nutrients. And um, so that was really exciting for me. And then I decided that functional medicine was really more of the direction I wanted to pursue fully and and started a functional medicine school and and have um, continued through that. And I have one more semester left and I'll be finished and graduated from there. And that really has kind of brought me to where I am today doing online health coaching and um, concierge um, health consulting with clients currently. So did you ever struggle with sleep yourself? Yes, off and on. I've always been a sleeper and sleep's always been important to me. But when I was going through health issues, specifically digestion problems, there were countless times where I'd wake up in the middle of the night in a lot of pain from digestion issues. And that was really what was causing my sleep issues Um, or anxiety. I had a lot of fear and limiting beliefs that that would um, cause some issues falling asleep. But overall, I have always valued sleep since I was little. And I'm lucky to say that I'm not 
take anything for sleep and have it in years and years and and sleep nine wonderful hours a night, which I know is not the case for everybody. And, uh-huh. and so that is um, like a big part of my practice is seeing people who struggle with insomnia. So I see it often. Oh, so Shay, I do want us to go really deep into this whole world of nutrients and supplements. So what's really the connection between nutrients and sleep itself? Why do they play such a big role in how the quality of sleep is for somebody? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things we like to pay attention to is what our serotonin and melatonin cycle is doing at nighttime. And that often starts with, you know, cortisol and in our modern lifestyle. So we see these hormones and these neurotransmitters that can get out of whack due to uh, nutrient deficiencies such as B6. We have to have B6 to convert 5-HTP, which is 5-hydroxytryptan, into serotonin. Well, serotonin actually creates melatonin, and we have to have that to sleep. So oftentimes, whether I do organic acid testing or whatever the case may be, we see individuals who are waking up at 2 a.m., taking melatonin at 9 p.m. does nothing for them, but they're waking up early morning. And oftentimes we see that that's an issue in this serotonin pathway where they are not producing adequate serotonin. Well, 95% of serotonin is produced in the gut. And so we always come back to, it's a gut health issue. We're not getting the right amino acids um, like tryptophan to be taken and metabolized into 5-HTP, which in turn can turn into serotonin, melatonin, and help you sleep well throughout the night. That's one very common dynamic I see. Um, Magnesium deficiency very common. I can't count how many clients that we have helped simply by giving them magnesium at night to really help them sleep. And they're severely magnesium deficient. So really important mineral to really help calm the nervous system. And it actually potentiates GABA, which also is a dynamic in sleep issues and imbalance between GABA, which is our primary inhibitory neurotransmitter, and glutamate, which is our primary excitatory neurotransmitter. Oftentimes those can get out of balance, which when we try to go to bed, our glutamate is too high because we had MSG, for instance, for weeks or that day, or um, various other causes, but um, stress, just stress at a baseline, inflammation, infections, gut issues can increase glutamate. So we can see an imbalance while your body is, is not doing anything bad, it's it's doing what it can with the circumstances that it has been told, right? The signals it's being given. And, um, and then of course, stress and cortisol. I think that adequate sleep hygiene is probably one of the most simple but underutilized pathways um, that, that people need to focus on. We kind of go, go, go and do, do, do. And then we're watching TV and it's 9.30 at night and we go lay in bed and turn off the light and expect our body to go to sleep. Well, we just ate dinner 30 minutes ago. We just, you know, watched a crime drama um, with all this bright light and we expect our body to go to sleep and it just doesn't work that way. Our cortisol's up, our sympathetic dominant state is too elevated. 
we just aren't giving our body the right signals to really get into a deep sleep. So those are just a few of the different dynamics that can be at play. And um, oftentimes it's a combination of those things that really impact sleep. Yeah, you're so right. And in fact, I think a lot of people do this mistake of uh, uh, not honoring the simple things that we have right in front of us, which don't really require us to spend money. It doesn't require us to see anyone. And then instead, they are going on Google and searching for fancy medication and then wondering why. So I, it's a very good point that you made that you, before you go into all of this, you first need to do the simple yes. cleanup. And that's really important. Um, Shay, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, do diets themselves uh, induce certain deficiencies which can then impact your sleep because uh, one of the things I've seen is that people read a lot about these very specialty therapeutic diets for for example they've been told that a specific diet is really good for thyroid health and they start following a book and uh, maybe they don't have a practitioner who's looking at how removing a, a certain components of a diet overall and making a diet a bit restrictive itself can induce some deficiencies. Uh, and then uh, maybe they're following this therapeutic diet for long term. They've been told it's a healing diet, which is just for a couple of months, but they've been following it for a year or more. Uh, so can uh, talk a little bit about how, or it could be the other way around, Shea, where uh, choosing a certain diet due to cultural beliefs or ideological beliefs can trigger a certain set of deficiencies, which then induce poor sleep. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about that intersection between your choice of diet and uh, how that can itself trigger deficiencies. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's something, especially nowadays, and I'm sure you see this often too, there's so many trends and, and fad diets and different things. And so most of the clients I see have been on something or they've tried some different thing. And 100% and we're seeing deficiencies in their, their blood work um, from these different diets. And elimination diets or anti-inflammatory diets can be amazing and they can give rapid relief. And that's what I like to say. That's a rapid relief diet to calm some inflammation down. And then really we need to start adding back those foods that we tolerate well, because we need to be eating the rainbow. We need to have 25 different diverse plants and veggies a week um, in order to get these cofactors. So that's where it all comes down. So when you think of the Krebs cycle, and we see what our macros are, you know, our carbohydrates, our proteins, and our fats. When we take those different types in, number one, we have to have all different types in order to produce energy for us from the cell. And so we, we don't need to just cut out carbs completely. It's a huge part of the Krebs cycle. We don't need to cut out protein completely. Can you do plant-based? 100%. We just need to be making sure that we're getting adequate amino acids so that we can have those building blocks because those amino acids create neurotransmitters and they create energy and it's really vital. And then of course we need to have fats 
the brain needs fat. We need to have fat. You know, there was a big trend of low fat um, for a long time and very low carbon. And now it's really the opposite. No, we need to have good high fat, you know, avocados and walnuts and flax and, and um, fatty fish if you, if you um, consume that. And so there's, there's lots of different things, but we need to have those three macronutrients because that's part of how we produce energy. And we have to have them either with nutrients or we're going to have to take supplements if we are missing those nutrients. So for instance, carbohydrates, we take in a carb and one of the cofactors to help it go down the Krebs cycle is magnesium and B vitamins. Well, if we are seeing an issue in low magnesium and we have low B vitamins, then we're not really taking that carb and utilizing it like we need to. And, and oftentimes we might need to supplement B vitamins or magnesium. But if you eat a dark, dark green leafy vegetable, it's a carb and it's also full of magnesium, but already kind of has that cofactor to really kind of help you get down the pathway. If you're just eating an empty carb, it doesn't have any of those nutrients. And so it's really, you know, anti-nutritive. And that's where we can kind of see an issue of how these diets really impact our ability to sleep and produce amino acids and neurotransmitters and really type of manage some of that body um, systems. We have to have these micronutrients uh, in order for our bodies to function properly. That's great. So there's so much of, you're so right about eliminating big, big groups of uh, so many things because people, are, and I know that low fat is still a trend because in a lot of diet uh, following circles that still emphasis on fats are very bad. And uh, it's fascinating because uh, I've seen somebody who's eating a very low fat diet and you can actually see it show up in their serum labs in different forms. Yeah. And then uh, it's so beautiful because it all shows up. But then again, it goes back to the right person being able to read your labs. And I think that's where it differentiates because not uh, if somebody were to go to um, a doctor and look at their labs, they're not going to tell them about the connection between their labs and what is happening with their diet. And I think that's a key point that people tend to ignore when they're looking at their labs. Um, so let's talk about, I know you spoke a little bit about in the beginning about some of the nutrients that are linked to poor sleep, magnesium, but I'd like us to go a little bit more into that. What are all the common nutrient deficiencies that you see in your practice and does it show up in the labs as well or do you go by uh, symptoms? So how do you approach that? So I definitely like to use a combination. I do pretty extensive functional medicine testing and really like to look at micronutrient testing. So I check all the B vitamins, essential, non-essential amino acids, um, look at neurotransmitter metabolites and really get a good idea of that. Plus, you know, prescriptions, like I mentioned, uh, B6 deficiency is a part of the pathway to produce serotonin and then melatonin. Well, a lot of clients I see nowadays are on oral contraceptives that cause B6 deficiency. And so that's a really common dynamic where I can see that 
that is an issue based on a prescription that they're currently taking, as well as confirm that on the testing. And then of course their symptoms are saying, you know, I haven't been able to sleep well for years. I also feel kind of drained and anxious and, and so on and so forth. So B6 is a big one. I see that often. Um, magnesium deficiency, very, very common. Uh, two thirds of Americans are magnesium deficient. I'm not sure where it is for you guys, but it's pretty common. I see it. Oh, I would say I probably never see someone with adequate magnesium on testing. Yeah. 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 And so that's a very, very common thing. And, and that comes from, you know, different, we can get magnesium from different foods for sure. Um, and also B6. So that would be something interesting to, to speak on. We can have food sources of some of these, these nutrients um, that are that are helpful for us. And then amino acids, we have to have nutrients. Um, to have amino acids, we have to take in protein to have amino acids, things like L-theanine, um, tryptophan, those are really important for sleep and, and to help create adequate sleep cycles. And I see those being um, deficient uh, quite often as well. So is it that you just, uh, have you come across the connection between omega-3 and sleep? I do love omega-3s. Omega-3s, for me, I have definitely found a, a combination with that, um, mostly associated with inflammation, stress, digestive issues, really at all is interconnected. And that's what's so beautiful is when we start diving into this, it's so many different things, you know, it can be thyroid problems, it can be, you know, a cortisol issue, we could have low progesterone, I see that all the time yes. in women, you know, and that progesterone potentiates GABA, which like we just mentioned, we need GABA to be, you know, in a good place. So there's so many different factors to insomnia and there's so many different things that a prescription medication just really doesn't address. You know, it's just a sedative. It's not really working on any of the root causes of, of some of these deficiencies. So when you see somebody share with um, a low progesterone, what do you actually do for that? Depending on their age and their history and different things like that, I try to figure out the root cause of that. Um, so a lot of times it's stress or a um, dysfunction in the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, gonadal axis, almost always, you know, due to sort of stress, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical, food sensitivities, infections, overgrowth, um, parasites, whatever the case may be, some sort of stress. And when your adrenals are kicking out all that cortisol, really not focused on sex hormones. So we can kind of see deficiencies in progesterone, which is automatically giving us this estrogen dominant state, which is not conducive for sleep either. It's a very, it increases glutamate, it increases this type of a sympathetic dominant state just from having estrogen dominance due to low progesterone. So taking care of the estrogen dominance can really help your progesterone work as well. Do I use some specific herbal remedies and have I used bioidentical progesterone? Absolutely. Based on a case-by-case -case basis, it can be very effective if needed. Yeah, that's such a sensible approach because again, I see a lot of people now 
uh, self-prescribing progesterone, and that can also be quite, uh, it's not that it's a magical uh, bullet that's going to fix everything, because if you haven't done the work cleaning up the liver and the gut, and then you add progesterone, and then that can also cause its own challenges. So uh, I think Absolutely. it's important to bring caution to that. And in on that same note, she, I want to talk about self-prescribing sleep supplements because that is a very big trend because you Google something or somebody tells you that this is the wonder supplement for sleep and then you don't really look at what's going on inside, but you take that supplements. Uh, so can we talk a little bit about what are some of the sleep supplements that people might come across when they are doing their own research, which they might self-prescribe and do some of them have safety and uh, could they benefit, but also what are some of the pitfalls that could come up with this kind of self-prescription of uh, sleep supplements? Yes. So the first one that automatically, you know, comes to mind of, of something that's very simple and safe most of the time that we think of is something like magnesium. Well, in the hands of someone with kidney failure, that is a nightmare. And so, so even something so simple as magnesium can really have devastating impact if someone is not aware of, you know, needing to have proper filtration in place for something like that. And so we do need to be careful, even when we use something as simple as magnesium. I have seen very often when, when people um, use something like 5-HTP or tryptophan, right? It's precursor to serotonin. Um, we can have, truly, we can have serotonin syndrome. We can get an overload of that, especially if we're taking some sort of antidepressant, like an SSRI. Yeah that's yeah. really working on that action. And they would not know that they're taking that, you know, Lexapro or antidepressant, and they take very high dose of 5-HTP or tryptophan to help them sleep. Next thing they know, they're in the ER with serotonin syndrome. That could be very, very scary and, and cause a lot of issues. And, and by itself, 5-HTP in the right setting can be wonderful. I mean, it can make a huge difference, but you, there's so many dynamics at play. You really, really need to be careful. These herbal remedies have interactions with prescription medications. They have interactions with other things, but we want, we don't want to just be substituting prescriptions for supplements. Often, is it sometimes a better choice? Yes, but that still can be a band-aid. We still want to really work on what the root causes. And that's where sleep hygiene and managing stress and, and things like that really is the most important at, at the end of the day. These supplements and, and herbs that we like to use most often should be more in a rapid relief stabilization type setting while you make the lifestyle changes necessary to, um, to help promote sleep or wellness. And on that same note, Shay, because I do know a lot of people who are on SSRIs who have taken 5-HTP and got into problems, um, you mm -hmm. spoke about how this is not a band-aid and it doesn't replace, but I think, could you also tell us a little bit about how you can't suddenly go cold turkey and stop an SSRI without somebody telling you and then just replacing it with something like um, 
um, melatonin or even something like CBT oil. So what would happen if somebody were to not see their um, practitioner who's prescribed an SSRI and then just decides to one fine day withdraw it cold turkey and just replace it with something else? Yeah. So you could be the lucky person who is a rapid metabolizer genetically of whatever medication you're on and you handle it well. Um, but you could also be the person who does not handle withdrawal and you don't process adrenaline well or serotonin well, and you will find yourself in very, very, very horrible withdrawal. And SSRI withdrawal, um, specifically SNRI as well, if Exer and Cymbalta and some of these is very unpleasant and it can be extremely dangerous. Um, and so you definitely do not want to be tapering off of prescription medications at it, um, on your own and, and trying to replace those. Now, is there a place to do that with a provider safely using uh, different remedies? Of course, but that needs to be managed because there's several different dynamics at play um, and there's several different things that could go wrong that you would definitely not want to be trying to do that um, on your own at all. Yeah, I think this is something that I've been so cautious and concerned about because I'm seeing it a lot more everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so tell us about now if we do want to go down the route of choosing the right nutrients and the right supplements, of course, in combination with uh, doing other works, including cleaning up sleep hygiene. Uh, what mm -hmm. should be what should be the factors that play a role in guiding this choice of what does each one actually decide to go with? Okay, so and I that's a hard question because I definitely feel like it's going to be unique for each yes. person based on their history, based on their testing. Like you mentioned, sleep hygiene, of course, every single person needs to do that. But that's where we can kind of come back full circle of it's not wise to just choose one of these sleep medications on your own over the counter um, without really understanding how they work, what systems they work on, what side effects they might have. I mean, they all work very differently. 5-HTP works very different than L-theanine and um, B6 and melatonin, you know, they, they all work very differently, magnesium. And so we, we can't just really guess at which one might work for you or not work for you. It's going to be completely based on, um, for me, testing and history um, and safety based on other prescriptions you might be on um, or things like that. Yeah, for sure. That again comes back to the fact that maybe it's um, it's not really the best thing to be self-prescribing things until unless you're really aware about what's going on within your body. And most often, more commonly, what we find is that people don't really have the resources to be making those choices because usually it comes about as recommendations from somebody else and it might have worked for them, but it may definitely not work for this person because their body is so, so different. Um, and on that note, there are some supplements that 
could work and i've seen people swear by it that my friend told me to take cbd oil or uh, melatonin and i'm sleeping so good and then they are posting about it they are advising other people to take it but uh, there's also the aspect that sometimes it could work temporarily so you see a little boost you see that shift in your sleep but then eventually if there's deeper aspects going on within your body yeah. it doesn't last it doesn't sustain uh, and mm-hmm. i think that should be a red flag to anyone that you need to start digging deeper so it's not that you move on to the very next supplement that might be the magical bullet for you so what are your thoughts about that yes i think you're so correct and and it's this notion of this rapid relief and that's kind of what you're doing it may be okay for rapid stabilization but we need to figure out the root cause we don't want to just you know, be on another something for the rest of our life, you know, that's still a band-aid, even if it's a little better band-aid than a prescription, it's still a band-aid. And, um, and so doing things that actually heal the circadian rhythm, you know, waking up early in the morning with the sun and going on a light walk towards the evening at, at bedtime, use sleep with a sleep mask. A lot of times we are just disrupted by the smallest hint. I can't count how many people sleep amazing just because we did a sleep mask, you know, Um, and then addressing some of the other root causes like stress or thyroid issues or or gut health problems or diet and nutritional uh, deficiencies, really trying to find that root cause. And when we just see a group of insomnia uh, people on Facebook and we follow it and we try all these different things, it's just not going to be conducive for our unique health. Our health is just as unique as as our our fingerprint. Everyone's is very different and how we handle things and how we tolerate and what we need is very different from other people. And so um, the one size fits all approach is what we have tried to get away from. We we don't, it doesn't really work. Um, We really want to make sure that it's it's personalized and, and not guessing. And share on that same note about Facebook groups on insomnia, I do want to bring attention to this scary aspect that I came across a Facebook group on insomnia just a day before our conversation. And there was a lot of discussions going on about uh, recommending sleeping pills to each other. And there was no scope of those recommendations. It was not that they were medical practitioners who were qualified to be giving, but they were recommending that others take sleeping pills as well. And um, I I don't know. I mean, this is again, a very, very scary trend that uh, these kind of medication are they actually available without prescription and that itself seems quite concerning to me. Uh, so yeah. I think it's you've brought great emphasis to the fact that people should focus on the deeper work and busting the sleep myth that uh, you can uh, have terrible sleep habits, sleep hygiene, and you can just get it, get your sleep from one pill. That's such a, such a myth out there. And uh, it's important to have other advocates like yourself who are busting this myth and bringing the areas of concern that people really need. 
I want to talk a little bit more um, since we are getting close to the end of our conversation that some of these sleep nutrients that you spoke about, we spoke about magnesium and B6 and uh, omega-3, and you did mention that you can get them from food sources as well. So I want us yeah. to go a little bit about how do you get some of these sleep nutrients from food itself? Yeah, so y'all have heard me mentioned very many times how important B6 is for the the serotonin pathway and the sleep pathway. And so great um, ways to get B6. If you are, if you do eat meat, uh, poultry, beef, liver, fish, and then also whole grains, lentils, which I love, um, nuts and seeds, spinach and carrots are great um, for B6. So those are some great ones. And then, you know, magnesium, different things like dark leafy green vegetables we mentioned, oatmeal and um, chocolate, which is why uh, during our menstrual cycle, we tend to like chocolate because it's got magnesium in it, um, nuts and seeds, lima beans and, and as well. Those are some great, great sources. And then like we mentioned, omega-3s, walnuts and flax and different fish like mackerel and salmon and sardines. Those are really great sources of um, omega-3s as well. And you mentioned chocolate, but I think also maybe we need to differentiate between kinds of chocolate because sometimes Definitely. people just get chocolate and then they go berserk and next thing you know, they're eating all kinds of chocolate, which can really mess with sleep. And I've also found that yes. some people do struggle with histamine issues and then that triggers poor sleep and then therefore chocolate yes. can be. So can you just differentiate what when you say chocolate what do you really want to reach for if you uh, would like number, to get yeah so number one it. yeah if you want to read if you want to get magnesium from it great still don't take it at nighttime because it does have stimulant effects so no matter what no chocolate for me no chocolate past afternoon is that what I recommend but I always recommend a 75 percent yeah. dark at least at least, and no added sugar. Um, you can do fruit or monk fruit. I, I prefer stevia if you tolerate it, but um, I prefer a no sugar added 75% dark raw cacao. Um, not your good old milk chocolate from the grocery store. That stuff is not good for you. Don't eat that. <laughs> Yes, yes. And what I really appreciated also, Shay, when you spoke about the foods, there was such a uh, diverse list of foods which you mentioned. And it's not that uh, if somebody is plant-based, there's so much, there's so many lentils, nuts, uh, seeds, mm -hmm. and they're so full of nutrients. In fact, my son, who's 11 years old, now has a little box of green pumpkin seeds beside his <laughs> yes. bed. Uh, and sometimes when he wakes up in the night and he's sleepless, so you see him sitting in bed eating his pumpkin seeds and goes back to sleep. So I think it's really important that you keep the diet as diverse as possible. And that's what I took away from whatever you said. Uh, so what are, the, what are some of the guidelines by which 
you choose um, your signature sleep supplements. I know you said that everybody's unique and everyone who comes to you has this unique blueprint of themselves. And I also believe that, but um, how would you just talk us through a little bit about how would you choose supplements based on different people? So for instance, if someone is having more of a stress, sympathetic, dominant um, type state where they're having issues with adrenaline, for instance, I really like using L-theanine um, and GABA potentially. So I love to use L-theanine. It, it seems to be very safe and um, doesn't really cause this heaviness the next day. And so I, I like to use that one. And I feel fairly comfortable using that one quite often. For is, there a, is there a dose that you use which is safe to start low? And um, uh, when in even, and do you also start that even when somebody comes to you and they still have deeper issues? But is it one of those supplements that you can start at the beginning? Yes. It is something like we mentioned that I call a rapid relief. We know how important sleep is. And if I if I want to help someone make uh, start exercising and have dietary changes and improve their mood, well, they need to be sleeping. And yes. so we really try to address that. And so using something like L-theanine, even before um, we, while we're diving into the root causes is something I do quite often and um, 400 milligrams. Um, and it's some people, I have them take it during the day as well, uh, depending on their stress, but 400 uh, mil milligrams at, um, in the evenings is, is not a bad recommendation. Okay. And then you mentioned GABA. So is GABA one of the, I mean, GABA is something that's discussed a lot in the nutritional world and there are people saying it doesn't work because uh, if it works, it's a sign that you have a leaky blood-brain barrier. And uh, if you had a healthy blood-brain barrier, then it can't penetrate and uh, be effective. So what are your thoughts on GABA and also in terms of dosing? Yeah, I think that could be true for sure. You know, L-theanine and, and taurine and all of these, they, they produce GABA. Um, they're precursors to GABA. So um, either way, when you take L-theanine, the, the hope is that you're potentiating GABA. So that's kind of how that works. So if L-theanine works, you know, theoretically, we should see that GABA can be as, as effective as well. But of course, it doesn't always work for every person because it may not be a GABA glutamate issue. That might not be the imbalance. They may not just plain and dry not have enough serotonin and they need something like tryptophan or they're magnesium deficient and they need magnesium. So I, I think that that's possibly true where GABA wouldn't work for everybody. Um, just like 5-HTP or magnesium also may not work for everybody. So with GABA, what would be the dose that you actually begin with? Pretty low dose. And, and I do tend to use about 500 milligrams or so in the evening. Mm -hmm. um, and Shay, one more thing that I think um, I would like you to talk about is that you mentioned some of these very good sleep nutrients. Do you use them ever in combination with each other or is it just that you pick one? 
Yes, I do tend to use combinations, especially if there are several dynamics. Um, there is a formulation called Optimal Sleep by Seeking Health. I, I like that combination. It's got a little magnesium, a little B6, um, a little uh, GABA theanine in it. And I, I like that combination and in fairly low doses. And so um, there's some herbal recommendations too. We didn't even talk too much about that, but lemon balm and passion flower and valerian. And I love those. I think those are ashwagandha. I think those can be extremely helpful. Those really are, you know, adaptogenic herbs that really work on cortisol response and the, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal thyroid axis. And so that's a whole nother uh, dynamic. And I, I do use those in combination. Typically, there's a couple formulations from Gaia herbs, uh, sleep through or calm ASAP that are really great nourishing um, herbal recommend uh, remedy combos. Do, do you use some of those recommendations as uh, just drinking herbal teas? Yes, I love herbal teas. And I also think that's a really great way to um, start that um, in the evening as part of a, a nighttime ritual. I do believe in nighttime rituals and giving your body all the right signals for sleep hours in advance, you know, three, four, five hours in advance, telling your body, okay, we're going to go to sleep soon. And I think drinking an herbal tea, taking an Epsom salt bath is a wonderful, wonderful way to have a nighttime ritual to get your body ready for, for sleep and start producing some of that melatonin. Shay, I actually loved our conversation so far, and I know we don't have too much of time. So I do want to also check with you. I know you spoke about these wonderful sleep supplements, but you also have a baseline supplementation. Um, I mean, obviously, somebody who's struggling with sleep has so many challenges going on internally. So just one supplement is not going to uh, but do you have your uh, signature baseline supplements that you feel that even before you do deeper work on somebody, there are some things that should be in place, which are just basic and they need, it's like a, a complement or an adjunct to their diet. So do you have something like that? Yes, just your baseline that do you feel that everyone yeah. needs B vitamins or everyone needs, what are your baseline supplements? Magnesium. So from everyone from there can tell I love magnesium. Most of my clients are struggling with constipation, anxiety and sleep issues. And yeah. so a magnesium to start off with is really a no brainer as long as there's no contraindication. And um, I really like magnesium threonate, magnesium glycinate for sleep and anxiety. Also tarate, um, because that's taurine. So that can also help produce um, GABA. So those are my favorites um, for magnesium at night. Obviously, if they're having constipation, we'll do citrate, um, magnesium citrate. But I, everyone who knows me knows magnesium is my first go-to it really can help several different areas pretty quickly and actually is a root cause deficiency. Um, it actually can be a root cause. Magnesium deficiency can be a root cause. Um, and I love addressing that as well. And then yes, B vitamins. I do a lot of genetic work 
in um, epigenetics. And so methylation and adrenaline and COMT and MTHFR and folate transport is really important. So I, I do tend to use methylated B vitamins and I'm really big on amino acids, making sure that we are getting 60 at least grams of protein every day, whether that's in a plant-based protein shake, which is what um, I recommend commonly, um, in order to have the building blocks to make neurotransmitters um, like serotonin and, and dopamine and, and things like that. So I do want to ask you that uh, when it comes to plant-based proteins, you mentioned the shake. So what really is your form of plant protein? So is it pea protein-based, soy protein-based? Pea, um, I definitely prefer pea, pumpkin, and um, those are pretty much the biggest ones because a lot of my clients, we have to be careful with certain grains. Um, so I don't have a ton that use rice protein unless they tolerate it well. But pea and pumpkin are, are probably the most common. Um, you know, normally it's a combination of several of those, um, but pea is typically the, the, the biggest contributor in those protein shapes. Shay, so what in your mind do you feel is the biggest root cause of so many sleep challenges? Because there are so many millions of people struggling with sleep issues. And in your head, what is the biggest trigger for all of it? Our modern lifestyle. Simple. Um, that's what I see most often. It is the we don't stop. We are constantly being exposed, being exposed to go, 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 do, 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 running around, um, poor nutrition, toxic toxins and stress. And so this modern, sympathetic fight for your life lifestyle is what I highly, highly think um, is contributing to chronic insomnia um, nowadays is um, simply stress. Yeah, absolutely. I totally. And I think I put stress as the first thing that somebody needs to really look at very deeply. And it's amazing how when you work with someone on a deep level, so many buried stress comes out of them. And then as they start to release, that is when true healing actually begins. Uh, and I'd totally. like you to complete our Sleep Whisperer Mantra, Shay. If sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete it for us? Then nutrition is the new energy? Yeah, why not? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Given the context of our conversation, that's a great mantra as well. Uh, Shay, thank you for your wonderful rich pearls of wisdom related to nutrients and supplements where can people find you if they want to know more about you yes thank you so much this was so fun and i think we talked in depth of about really important things and so i'm really excited um anyone can find me on social media my instagram is at shay leonard and my website is www.shayleonard.com. Perfect. Thanks, Shay, for being here, taking out your time and sharing such a wealth of information. And I'm sure this is one of those episodes that's going to be a big favorite because I know it's already my favorite. Oh, good. I enjoyed it too. It was great. 
everyone i hope you enjoyed the show just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only this is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional this information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services if you are looking for personal help on your health journey do seek out a medical practitioner please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro it is important that you have someone who's qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health conditions Thank you.